0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 152, and I am bringing you my live show from Portsmouth, New Hampshire. I had the amazing guests, Katie Edwards, Deb Gardner, and Jessica Goldman on the show. Katie and Deb have both been guests on the podcast before. Make sure you go back and listen to those. Deb was episode 129 and she came on with her husband Tom, a great great episode. And then Katie was on way back in the day. Let's see. She was episode Katie was episode 62. So make sure you go back and listen to those. And once you hear this conversation with Katie, Deb and Jessica, you're going to say, "Well, why has Jessica not been a guest on your show because she is amazing." Don't worry, we are going to have an episode with Jessica. And I want to thank everybody so much for coming out to this event. If you haven't been able to make it to one, we are going to have plenty of events in 2019, plenty of meetups and live podcast recordings and all kinds of great stuff. So don't worry. Stay tuned. There will be more. I want to thank Sarah Canny for having this vision for the live show over in New Hampshire. She has just created this wonderful community of women. She has created the rise run retreat, which she does every year and this live event was kind of in collaboration with that, kind of a kickoff to announce the 2019 date for the Rise Run Retreat. And I'm just so honored to be associated with this wonderful event. So let me tell you about it. In 2019, the Rise Run Retreat will return to picturesque Woodstock, Vermont, and it will feature an amazing lineup of guests, including Sally McRae, Kristen Chef Shefshanis, and Kim Nadeau, with just 14 spots available The retreat will fill up quickly when registration opens, and it opened yesterday, Thursday, November 15th. So for more information, head over to riserunretreat.com. You guys heard me, right? Sally McRae, she was on the show, episode 145. If that's not enough to get you there, I don't know what is. This is a great event, lots of relaxation, running, learning, and just a good way to treat yourself. And with such a small number of people who attend the retreat, It really gives you the opportunity to create relationships and get to know the other women that will be there. So thank you, Sarah, for including me in what you are doing and having this vision to bring women together and providing a spot where we can support each other. I appreciate your support so much. All right, you guys, we're going to get into this conversation with these wonderful women. You guys are going to be in awe of all three of these ladies that I got the chance to talk to. But first, I want to thank a couple of sponsors who made the event possible. And the first is Inside Tracker. Some of you may have heard of Inside Tracker before. So you're committed to being your best, right? You want more energy, better performance and improved overall health. Maybe you've tried a diet that you read about online and you take a few supplements that you've heard about, but it's time to stop guessing and start improving. Inside Tracker is committed to helping you get there. Using science and technology, their cutting-edge algorithmic engine will analyze your blood and lifestyle and guide you to your goals with actionable, personalized recommendations. Grab their best deal of the year with the special opportunity for you guys. Use the code have another, all caps, for $200 off their ultimate plan from now until the end of November, only at InsideTracker.com. Thank you, InsideTracker, for supporting the live show in Portsmouth. And then I want to thank Gooder. Gooder sunglasses are all the hype right now. They are fun, fashionable, and functional sunglasses that everyone can afford. I love that Gooder has all kinds of fun colors and styles. Some of their fun names include Phoenix at a Bloody Mary bar. Those are cool. Ooh, I love these black shades. You don't look like Buddy Holly at all. That's funny. Sunbathing with wizards and flamingos on a booze cruise. You guys, they're fun over there. So check out Gooder Shades. You can check them out online, gooder.com, G-O-O-D-R.com. Or you can probably find them at your local run specialty store. Thank you, Gooder, for supporting the live podcast. And then I want to thank our swag bag sponsors, which include Gooder, Under Armour, Martin, Darn Tough Socks, Gutsy Bars, Grandy Oats Granola, and Pete and Jerry's Organic Eggs. And I can't forget to mention that we had some All Have Another koozies at the event as well. And I do want to mention we had some questions at the end of the show. I think we had three Uh, audience questions that I'm I cut off from the uh, recording because you can't hear the person asking the question anyway because they weren't mic'd up Uh, lessons learned I do this every time I forget to hit record or don't provide a mic to somebody in the audience I'm learning you guys so uh, we'll just end the show on this recording uh, right before the audience questions thanks again everybody who showed up for the event thank you Sarah for including me and I really hope you guys enjoy the podcast the live recording. And I hope that, you know, I got to meet so many people at the event and was so thankful for everybody who came up and introduced themselves. Um, I hope I can meet many more of you in events and meetups in 2019. All right, you guys, let's enjoy this conversation with Katie Edwards, Deb Gardner, and Jessica Goldman.
1: So I started Rise Runner because I had the opportunity, um, my blog to have some really amazing running-based experiences um, that were really life-changing for me. Um, I had the chance to run Hood to Coast with Noon. I was on an all-women's team. That was really fun. I did some things with Smart Wolf. Um, I've done some fun things with Under Armour. You know, all of them, I've been in a situation where I've been running with other women and I've been so encouraged and empowered by those experiences that I wanted to create something for other people to have a really similar experience. And so that's kind of how Rise Run Retreat was born. Um, so part of that, uh, so I have the retreat, but then th- this evening is an extension of that. Um, and I think it has come about because the internet isn't all bad things, and actually a lot of my good friends I've met through the internet, and one of those friends is Lindsey. Um, I'm really excited to have her here tonight. Um, I'm a firm believer that when you surround yourself with strong people, that together you can do really amazing things. Um, And I'm so excited to have Lindsey here. Many of you have listened to her podcast, I'll have another. She's hosted some of the most amazing um, American runners on her show. Lindsay is a powerhouse, and I admire her authenticity and what she has created over the past few years. So it is with great pleasure that I get to introduce to you Lindsay Hine.
0: First of all, we need to clap for Sarah, because this is happening because of Sarah. Yes. I just got on an airplane with my baby and a pseudo-mom, like grandma, mom to me, who has been helping me all weekend. So Sarah has put this together, and yeah, I'm honored to be here. Before I say anything else, I want to thank three really important sponsors, and that is Inside Tracker, Trigger Pin, and Her Tribe Athletics. So thank you guys for being here today. This is classic that I came up and turned the recording on after she started talking. Um, I did that in my live show in Indianapolis in September, so um, that's just going to be my thing now, to start, (laughs) to ruin my grand entrance and run up and start it. Uh but today I just wanna invite you guys to just be here and be present and enjoy this conversation. A lot of you probably know I'm about three months postpartum with my fourth baby, and with that comes a lot of anxiety and crazy stuff. So I feel that stuff too that a lot of you might be feeling when you walked out the door today, or you might be feeling it you might have felt it six months ago and it's not happening now. But if you have anything weighing on your chest, I just ask you to just like give yourself some freedom tonight and enjoy this and let it all go. So we have three really amazing women that I have the honor and privilege to interview and talk to and create great conversation with. And the first I want to introduce is uh, my friend Katie. And I met Katie through, like Sarah said, the wonderful internet. And um, we first met in 2014 in real life, and we shared a bed together in Boston for the Boston Marathon. So that's normal that you would just you know share a bed with someone the first time you meet them. And um, Katie taught me the importance of like putting a good game face on for a race. I remember in the morning of the Boston Marathon, she's she's gearing up to run like a 240 marathon. Okay and we're all, the rest of us are all just running for fun. So she's got this like serious day ahead of her and we're all just having a good time. And in the morning, she's getting her makeup on and everything and I said, do you always put makeup on before a race? She's like, well yeah, you feel good, you run well, you know. So ever since that day, I have put on the makeup for the race and I feel a lot better when I do it. Um, But Katie's the mom of three and she, Uh, is an Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon. She works full-time and she's just an incredible lady. And She's been on my show. If you haven't listened to her on the podcast, go back and listen to Katie Edwards. Um, It's a great conversation. So without further ado, Katie Edwards. (laughs) Um, the next we have is uh, Deb Gardner. She's my uh, pseudo mom this weekend, and I met Deb about seven years ago before I had any babies. So she has really seen me walk through it all. Um, and she is married to the wonderful Tom, and they are just—they have this marriage that I, my husband and I, look—I'm gonna like cry, you guys, postpartum. <laughs> we just look up to them. I—I te- I was texting with my husband earlier today, and. Um, he said, "I really like the gardener's because I texted him a picture of Deb giving my baby a bath, and I'm like, oh, me too." So anyway, Deb and her husband—they've been on the show too, and they just rode their bikes from coast to coast, from the west coast to the east coast, and um, they've also—she's also completed 50 marathons in 50 states. She made that goal when she was like 52 and completed it in five years. So um, at the young age of 59, she still has all these big. Hairy, audacious goals, and that's the saying that I got from her. <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, I am so honored to introduce Deb Gardner. <laughs> Alright, okay. So next we have Jessica Goldwyn, and she is a New England person. And Sarah introduced me to Jessica, and I am just like jaw to the floor with this woman. She's done so many incredible things, including just this past weekend. Was it this past weekend or two weeks ago? She had this big goal to run a 100-mile race under 20 hours, and she's been trying to do it for a really, really long time, like seven years or something crazy like that, and she just achieved that goal. So talk about perseverance, it's so amazing. Um, She's also, you guys, ran, ran? from coast to coast, from the west coast to the east coast. Now that's a big deal, right? But she did it by herself, self-supported. <laughs> Crazy, right? <laughs> and she also did that biking. She's also been in the Peace Corps. So like she, this woman has just done so many phenomenal things. And um, that is the cool thing about this community. Like how would I know her if I didn't know Sarah? And I didn't have my podcast, and I wasn't here talking in front of you guys. So. Um, this is such an honor to introduce Jessica Goldwyn. Our mics on and ready to go. Who's having fun? Who's excited about the night? (laughs) All right. So I gave you guys a brief introduction of everybody, um, but I'm going to give them the opportunity to kind of uh, share a little bit about themselves. So, uh, Katie, you want to go first? Sure. You're the mom of three. You work full time. You're like the fastest runner I know. How else would you describe yourself? (laughs)
2: Um, So actually, this is funny, because somebody just asked me, okay, so besides running and kids, and like, I know you like yoga, what else do you do? I was like, well, can't that be it? Like, (laughs) that's not good enough. Um, I like to read. (laughs) Um, I mean, really, that kind of sums it up, but I love this kind of like hanging out with friends, and this is what it feels like. I like a good Tito's Gimlet, so that's about it. I mean, that that covers my day.
0: Um, All right, and so Deb, we've got between the, her husband and her, the two of them, they have seven kids, and Deb makes these family dinners once a week, that's a lot. Once a week she has all of these people over to her house to eat dinner. And she watches uh, her grandkids once a week as well. That's my dream, for my mom to watch my, grandkid, <laughs> my kids once a week. So, and she's just, she's, I consider you, Deb, a mentor in my life, so I'm really happy to have you here. How would you describe yourself, though?
3: Oh, gosh, I kind of like the way that you just described me, so maybe I should just stop now. Um, I think that um, I, if I had one word that I would say, I love to learn, and I, uh, I really love to learn. I was a teacher before I retired, and I love learning. So I think I'll just go with that, and I love my family very much.
0: All right. You guys don't be scared to put the mics close to your mouth, so I'm not the okay. loudest one. Um, Don't be embarrassed to hear yourself talk. (laughs) Um, All right, Jessica, adventurer. You're a business owner. She owns her own masseuse business. Uh, World traveler. How else would you describe yourself? I would like to
4: be a superhero, um, but I'm still (laughs) working on that. Um, I I feel honored to be up here because, honestly, I, I didn't start running until I was, like, 36, and I still, it's hard for me to register, like, oh, I'm an athlete, like people look at me as an athlete, like I feel like I'm just like everybody else, like just learning,
0: so. And um, this is from a woman who runs 100 mile
4: races. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, just testing out out my boundaries, still working on it, I think
0: everybody else can do the same. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to start with talking about goals a little bit because Um, I gotta jump right into it. We've got an hour here, and I wanna make sure we get into the meaty stuff. Setting goals to me is so important. I mean, with my podcast, with running, um, anything. It's like if I set a goal, I'm gonna work so much harder to get to the end line. So this is me encouraging you guys to like, get get your notepads out tomorrow morning and set some goals Um, but I want to hear from you guys a time that you set a goal you worked really hard to get there how you did that and the lessons you took from it who wants to go first anybody Deb you want to go first sure I'll go first
3: is this okay can everyone hear me okay well we've had my husband and I had a couple goals the past few years and Lindsay mentioned those. But those were goals with my husband, and they were super fun. And it was really good to set those goals with him and work towards them on date night. We'd look at maps and plan adventures and like, where are we gonna camp and what food are we gonna take, because food's really important. But I think one that I was really excited about um, is a 50 miler. And here, Jessica has run a bazillion hundred milers, and so I feel so honored just to sit next to her. But this 50 miler was something that was so outside of whatever I thought I could do, I didn't pick a small goal, I picked a big, hairy, audacious goal, and I knocked it out of the park. And I was surprised, because that's not usually something that I, because I don't run that fast, but it was a 50 miler, and gosh, I camped out the night before in 22 degree weather, and I was the third woman to cross the line. So that, I don't know, I set that goal and just, I surprised myself, and so I now I want to run a hundred miler, yeah. and so I'm, I'm going to talk to this lady.
0: Are you really? You want to do one? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah,
3: because it's not going to be easy, and it, you need to do it. Yeah.
0: Um, Deb, Deb, I need to say for you, because you're not going to say it for yourself. She ran a Boston qualifying time in the first half of, of the, the 50 miler, so yeah, it's kind of no big deal. Um, no, but
3: that included a bathroom stop, a serious bathroom stop.
0: And she's not fast, everybody. <laughs> Who else has one? So are we talking current goals? You can talk about a goal you, you know, this can be something that happened five years ago.
2: Because yeah. I will say it's, days a, ago. it's kind of a loaded question sometimes. And I think I feel that a lot because I had this goal to qualify for the trials. And honestly, I don't always know where that goal came from. I didn't start running until I, after I had three kids. So, and it's funny going back and, like, thinking through, like, where did that, how did that happen? Like, I ran a marathon in 2008. It was my first ever road race and literally said never, ever again. (laughs) Like, ellipticals are safe. That will not lead me to a marathon. I'll stick with that for a few years. And did another one, and I remember running that one, and it was Hartford Marathon. um, And I was on, there's this big out and back stretch, and so I was going out, and the second place female was coming back. And I think that year she ran a 2.45 flat, and that was the Olympic trials time. And I saw her go by and I said "I to myself, I don't care how hard I train, I will never, ever, 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 ever run that pace. It just, it's not possible. And so that was in 2011. And I qualified for the trials at that race, three years later, and it wasn't even a goal then. I didn't, it just was a non-negotiable that I could even achieve it. So it's funny to think about like, there's stuff out there that you don't even know is like waiting for you. And just taking steps here and there, like I ran that one and I think I ran a 317, then I ran a 311 and then I thought, oh, maybe sub three would be good. And all along the way there's somebody there that's like, well, like why do you think that you can do that? Like my own brother, I ran a 311. I was like, well maybe I'll do sub three. And he was like, well Katie, like really? I was like, okay, we're not gonna talk about this. <laughs> so then you just do it, and, and then if it sticks, I, it just became a thing that I really enjoy doing. So, um, and it just, I, I said at one point to somebody, running kind of like takes a hold of your heart a little bit, or a lot, and so I would love to qualify again, and who knows, I kind of leave it open, like if it, I'm one of those people, like if it's meant to be, it will be, if you work really hard at it, and even then, maybe I'll never get that day again, but I'm not going to just sit back and say, I don't know if I can do it or not. So um, it's, that's, a, that's a goal that's still out there. And in the meantime,
0: I need to figure out what marathon I might want to run <laughs> to get there. Okay, so my question there is, wh- what you said it was something that wasn't attainable. But then, obviously, you went and did it and you worked for it. But like, So when did you say, oh, no, I can do this? And how, like, how did that happen? So I think it was
2: after I ran, um, after I got under three hours. Okay. I was like, well, there has to, like, so what do you do now? I guess I wasn't yep. ready to stop running, but what do you do after you run a 258? And I just logically didn't think, let's do 255 and then 250. I was like, well, let's qualify for the Olympic trials. <laughs> so um, that kind of came after that for me, I guess. And it's all these beliefs, I think, that you have about yourself. Like, I was I was not a runner. It's not what I did. I didn't know how to train. I kind of just learned as I went. So you kind of, I started just to internalize a little bit of that and put away, like, the um, why Why do you think that you can go run all this? You have three kids and you have other things to do. So you kind of, like, have to shut that out a little bit and be a little bit selfish, I guess. But I I wouldn't want my kids to see anything different, you know.
0: I remember when you ran that 250. I think that's when I first came to know you on the internet. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. All right, Jessica. We have to hear one from you. Um,
4: so along the same lines, like if at first you don't succeed, just keep trying and trying and trying. And you just mentioned my um, my ghost train run a few weeks ago. I mean, that was my seventh year going back to the same race, and. I always wanted to run the sub 20, but you never know what you're gonna get dealt with. Like You can have your body trained as perfectly as it can get, but then there's the weather or something might go wrong or one of your muscles gets mad at you. There's so many things that can just happen and you just have to keep a smile on your face and do your best and walk away. Not looking at that particular race as a failure, but that's part of the learning process, which I think a lot of people, look at one event as like, this is like a pass or fail, but I think the way you need to look at it is, if you're gonna get to something big, you're probably gonna have to keep trying over and over and over again to get yourself experienced enough and to learn each time that you're out at a race, like, what can I change? How can I do this differently? So, I mean, that race, there was, some years I only made 60 miles because I was injured. one year I couldn't even run it, so I just showed up and I paced and crewed somebody else so I could still be a part of the event and like, you know, feel like I I was still in the game. But uh, yeah, I think I I finally did it. Now I'm a little bit confused of like, oh, okay, what's next?
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jessica's
3: telling me that I have to try this seven times. (laughs) Wait wait a minute. You start soon.
0: (laughs) You breaking 20 is like Katie when she broke three. She's like, okay, now what? I guess I'll go qualify for the trials. So you just now you figure out your next goal. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, hearing these people all talk about these big goals and doing these big things, I feel like I've been having babies for the, like my entire adulthood <laughs> that it's got me excited because now I, I'm done with that season of my life and I'm ready to make those goals. So like, I, I hear you talk about the sub three and I'm like, I wanna do that. And now I finally feel like I have the opportunity to do it. So it's exciting to hear you guys talk about that. Yeah. Um, okay, outside of running, we don't just have to focus on running. Um, though, who here is a runner? Okay. All right, so we can focus People's on running, running a little bit. <laughs> okay, so we'll talk all about running. <laughs> What'd you say? I said it's you guys. Oh, in general, in general everybody, anybody's a runner. If you run, you're a runner. Okay, so I wanna talk about some like real deep good stuff. Okay, so we're gonna go right into it. And I just wanna ask you about something that you've been through in your life that, that was hard. And what were the tools that you used? Who were the people? How did you walk through that and move on out? Does anybody have something that they can think of? Really digging into your soul here.
2: Uh, how many things do you want
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. you so want I'll start um, I would say like the past three years for me have been like can we like get on the like what I guess what would you say like we're on the downhill now but it sounds so negative um, like between getting divorced that's I mean that's a tough one so I that just kind of speaks for itself I had three little kids literally started life over so. Um, On the other side of it, yes, life is good, um, but certainly now is three kids, two houses, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's a lot of stress there. Um, Just the stress of financially providing for three kids and all that goes with it. And we're entering, like, the teenage years, so I'm kind of, like, often sitting back, like, I'm just going to not even speak to (laughs) you right now. (laughs) This is not safe. Um, So then... My middle daughter actually was just diagnosed with type one diabetes and gosh, like I, there are these things in my life that I didn't really know anything about. Like I had melanoma when I was 25 and if you would tell me now like melanoma, you know melanoma, I was so naive. I, It was pretty terrible though. Um, and type one diabetes, you don't realize how um, life changing it is until you have a kid with it or you have it yourself. I don't know, maybe some of you have it, but. Um, it's pretty terrifying talking about like having something that's out of your control when my daughter's life relies on insulin. So she's got a pump and she's phenomenal. She's amazing. But when there's like some little malfunction, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, don't eat sugar. You can have cheese. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> like anything. There's just um, a constant stress that I have to learn how to. Be okay with. So it's just it's life's challenges that I don't even know that there's one thing that I could say is like to cope with it. It's a it's a daily thing. Other than it really teaches you that there's so much that's out of your control, and um, I've got to roll with it. She's got to roll with it. And I often just say to her, I'm like Anna, I like this sucks. It's really hard. Like she gets frustrated with me. She gets frustrated with the whole thing. And like just acknowledging that like this is a really hard thing, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like you're sick and it's not easy but we're gonna be fine and you're fine and life goes on and we'll deal with it so that's just a constant she's a year and a half in with that so managing that between two houses and with the siblings um but it's we roll with it that's what you do that's how you get through you roll with it yeah (laughs) jessica um so my story
4: sounds a little bit crazy because my run across america i did a fundraiser for the brain injury association That was before I ended up with a brain injury. In 2016, I ended up with viral encephalitis, which is the hardest thing for me because I'm always looking at life as like, you know, you have this toolbox and you use your tools. I couldn't find my toolbox. (laughs) Um, I had a lot of trouble with my vision. I was having cognitive issues. My vestibular system was so out of whack. I was having difficulty walking. Um, and I just I really had to redefine success like okay success is no longer running across America or placing in a race or doing some big event it's like I would like to feel safe using my stove again (laughs) like this is the goal and just having to like redefine what success meant and also having that trust that I could rely on other people and use help from my friends I I couldn't even go outside my friends would have to come out and literally take me for walks around my yard because of course I was like I need to run. I need to get back on the trails. I need to get outside. But I needed a chaperone. <laughs> um, but that was very challenging for me, just to not, you know, have that trust in myself and know how to work my own way through the problems. But just trying to, you know, redefine everything and just say little baby steps. You know, you can't, you can't approach something by looking way over here and suddenly being there. You just have to get closer and closer every day. And I mean, I did that. Actually, that next year. I ran Vermont 100. It was like the slowest 100 I ever did in my life and I was literally hallucinating and hiccuping and it was a disaster, but I got myself there. So Um, I think I'm stronger in the long run. I still have issues from that. Like tonight, I actually parked in the parking garage for the first time since then, which is like terrifying for me because of vision problems and just like, will I ever find my car? So if you guys see me roaming around Portsmouth later,
0: (laughs) Somebody
4: give me a hand, please.
0: (laughs) We can just all, everybody leave together and get you to your car and make sure you're good. Jessica's parents are right here, you guys. Isn't that so great? Love it. That was probably really hard for you guys to walk through that with her. Um, I want to hear, though, a little bit about your um, your, uh, running across America, because that just sounds crazy to me. In solo, so did you push a stroller?
4: Uh, yes, I rigged up a Bob Ironman stroller. I've got one of those a, when I pus, push so, kids in it. <laughs> yeah, I used like a kayaking bag material, like the waterproof stuff, and rigged it up into a little um, waterproof carrying case. So Okay, so where did you it. sleep? Um, I thought I was going to camp a lot, and Facebook got me a lot of attention, and then I was connected to the Brain Injury Association, so a lot of survivors came out and would actually let me stay in their houses, they put me up in bed and breakfast, so I got
0: kind of spoiled. Oh. Yeah. So, okay, how many miles on average a day were you going?
4: Um, That's a tricky question. Out west when it was flat and I didn't have to navigate and you can just go straight on a straight road, I was doing like 55 or 60 miles a day. Um, then I got stuck in Tornado Alley, and guess what? When there's a tornado, you stop running and you go inside. <laughs> so those were short days. Um, and then in the East, it was just a disaster of like navigating and traffic, and you can't really get that far because you know um, it's more logistic problems. So things slowed down. But uh,
0: were you lonely?
4: I'm funny like that. Like I think I talk to myself a lot. I don't know. I'm an only child, so maybe I've just never experienced that, but um did I have a great time with myself.
2: Food? Go ahead. Did you stop and buy food? Like what did you do for food?
4: Yeah, I would I would pick things up at grocery stores, carry it in my cart, and then I, you know, I would at the end of the day kind of stuff my face with whatever I could get my hands on, so
0: What were your, like, essentials in the stroller? That's what I want to know. Like, what were the things that were always there?
4: Shoes. (laughs) Uh, Spare clothes, which was, that was the weird thing, is every night, you know, you think you run 55 or 60 miles, like, you're really tired, but I would have to go somewhere and, like, hand wash my clothes (laughs) because I needed to wear them, like, the next day. I didn't have a lot of stuff because you don't want to have a lot of weight. Um, And, you know, first aid kit and food snacks water is the heaviest thing that you have to carry um, Do you listen
2: to music at all
4: no podcasts for, for
2: safety it was
4: it's dangerous yeah, and i was it saying is. i biked across the country back in the 90s before cell phones existed and that felt a lot safer like people do not look at the road so yeah. you really need to stay tuned in and pay attention and jump and
0: duck <laughs> when necessary <laughs> so when you did this in the 90s the bike across america did you you did not have a cell phone with you
4: Uh, No, I actually use payphones. Does anybody remember (laughs) payphones? I'm
0: trying to think. I I think there's this like payphone in Indianapolis in this like really strange, scary area. Um, I'm trying to think the last time I used a payphone. I mean, it's just- Probably 12. 12, yeah. yeah. For some reason, I think of just like drug deals and payphones for some reason. (laughs) Like why else would you be using a payphone right now? Probably now. (laughs) That's crazy. Were you, I mean, parents terrified? Like, my daughter... Terrible. Terrified? <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> but now
4: look at this. Look my at mom's this. hair has been white like that for a really long time.
0: Well, and you can't email either. Like, you can't just, like, hop on your computer and be like, hey, I'm fine. No. Just You just didn't hear from her until she was done? Every Sunday evening. And, and
4: I promised, and I... Ha- whenever I came into a town, I would check in with the police station because they had asked me to do that to make sure that I was safe. So, And they would just look at me and be like, what? I'd show up and I'd be like, hi, my name is Jess Goldman and my mom said I should check in with the police.
1: <laughs>
0: oh my gosh, well it's so funny because like we were just trying to navigate getting from Boston to New Hampshire. and. We had both of our Google Maps going, and I'm like, w- how would we do this if we didn't have phones? Honey, I, like, we were
3: trying to get from the parking garage, okay, here, and we went around the block. I did, too.
0: <laughs> it's, like, right there. Hard times in 2018. Oh, my gosh. That is a. Incru- I I could ask you, so you guys, don't worry, because Jessica's going to come and be a guest on the show. So we're going to do, like, a one-on-one interview with just her. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to do that before this event. It just—I I guess I have some things going on. So, <laughs> all right, Deb, tell us about one of the hardest things you've overcome. Okay. How? Tell us the happy part though. Like, how'd you get through it?
3: Oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna go with—I'm um, going go with my mom. My mom passed away about 11 years ago, and she was she had multiple sclerosis, and she was diagnosed right after. My younger sister, I'm the oldest of six kids, and I've been thinking a little bit about this. It was really hard to um, watch her suffer uh, with a chronic disease, and she was a nurse, so she was an OB nurse, and so she was really a caregiver, but she accepted help uh, with such dignity and so beautifully. It was really a witness to me that, you know, we want to be the helpers, and here she was allowing um, us to help her. But. The thing that really I resonate with that was hard to watch her, and my sisters, my three sisters and my oldest daughter were with her and we sang to her as she you know, went to heaven, made that last journey, but, um, but that was really beautiful, but it really makes my life with my grandkids and my, my not, they're not littles now, they're bigs, it really makes me appreciate when I can do things for them because my mom couldn't help me very much and she wanted to so badly. So that was hard uh, living through that but it really enriches my life now in a really good way and um, all through that i ran and man if my mom could see me now she would freak out i mean she would Uh, she would be worried about me as well but i think that was a really tough time but at the end of the day it turned out to be a beautiful thing And it made me not afraid to reach out to people in wheelchairs or with feeding tubes or anything like that. I just, I'm not scared because I did that with my mom.
0: So I think I'll go with that. I love that you say that at 59, your mom would still be worried about you.
3: Well, I still worry about my own kids, but in a good way. You know, I let them be them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Deb's got some great kids. One of your kids has babysat for me before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right, so we have like a diverse age age range here, like in this group specifically. And so I wanna know what is something you would have told, you would like to tell. So for Katie, it won't be 35, but I I wanna know Deb for sure. What do you wanna tell your 35 year old self? Because that's what you're talking to me right now. So I wanna know, what would you tell yourself at 35? Well,
3: I would say a couple things. like first of all, give yourself some grace and um, you know, just don't be so hard on yourself and give yourself some leeway and give yourself a break because especially, gosh, if you're in school or you're taking care of an aging parent or you've got, maybe there's some mental illness in your family, those are struggles as well. Just you're doing your best and give yourself some grace and then take care of yourself. Running is so, so important. Through everything in my life, running has been that that constant thing where it's a good stress reliever, helps keep me physically healthy, it gives me lots of confidence and courage because it transfers to almost everything. So you can get out and run, and then you can get on your daggone bike. You can get out and hike. My husband and I just bought mountain bikes. We had been on a mountain bike one time. We just bought two stump jumpers. Yeah, we're like, okay, yeah. We're gonna go ride the Continental Divide in 2020. And my daughter, Annie, who's getting married in Hawaii in August, she says, mom, please do not do that before the wedding. I said, okay, we won't. But I think like to sum it up, just give yourself a break and, stay healthy and take care of yourself and like what katie says
2: yeah it is
3: not bad you don't have to apologize to your kids for going out and running and taking care of yourself that is something you cannot give out unless you fill up you have to do that for yourself and much better filling up with that than a bunch i mean chocolate chip cookies are good and you know but it's running's a good thing it's always been a constant
0: that's good and i always tell my kids i'm like hey this world does not revolve around you, yeah. and my run is just as important as whatever you want to do right now. So you can wait. Yeah. All right, what you got? So like my 20-year-old self.
1: <laughs> yeah, your 20-year-old 20 self. There you go.
2: Um, honestly, I, I guess I had—I don't know—I was married like at 22. Um, I would say don't get married at 22. <laughs> <laughs> um, Good advice. I guess I would say you don't have to have it all figured out, like. You're gonna make mistakes and try things and mess up and fail and I'm a little bit of a perfectionist so I wanna like, if I'm not gonna get it right, I'm not, I don't wanna do it so I wanna get it perfect and like honestly, that's so stressful. So I'm still learning that and like I work through that but I think like 20s, late 20s, like enjoy life a little bit you know and um, just think about, try new things, try different things.
0: What about you jessica you're 40 we can talk sure. about age right let's stick with yeah that. that sounds great put it out there what would you um, tell your 30 year old self um
4: for the love of god wear sunscreen oh. because eventually you will look like a crocodile pocketbook. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so this is what happens
4: when you spend a lot of time outdoors but no i think um i spent much of my early life doubting myself or not you know I would look at people who skied and they were skiers and I wasn't one of them but now I realize oh if you want to do that you just go try and ski or like if you want to do this you go try it and then that's how you become that but I always thought that somehow I was an outsider and I didn't know how to do the thing so I couldn't. My mom always makes fun of me before I took algebra in school I thought I needed the algebra book the year before (laughs) because I thought you had to know algebra to take it so I kind of used to think of life like that, um, but you know that that confidence you—it seems to take a while to get that in life to understand that like, you know, it's not you against the world. Like you can
2: be a part of any group that you want to be. You just have to try to do those things. It's good advice. I like that. Deb, I don't know if you've experienced this with your kids. I'll say real quick, like having kids that are not little, little, but getting to an age like I remember going to seventh grade and I hated it and. I have middle schoolers now, and so when my girls come up with issues and things, I'm like, oh, I get to like relive this a little bit, but like do it the right way. So it's fun to like kind of be able to tell them, not that they're gonna, you know, take it to heart right away and be like, oh, mom said this is how I should handle this really complex social situation. Um, but I get to kind of like suggest to them, maybe here's a way to think about it that I didn't have that at 12 or 13. Like those are awful, awful, awful years. So it's nice to, like, have that now with kids and be like, we get to do this together. I do not want to relive those years of
0: my life. Middle school year. Middle school girls.
2: I felt like I needed, like, a Xanax to go to the yeah. house. <laughs> don't make me go in there.
0: I'm scared of your house. I don't, I don't have to do that. I only have boys. <laughs> All right, let's talk about mental toughness because you guys have all done really, really hard things. And I'm talking about physical, like you're doing the physical things, but to do those physical things, you have to be mentally tough. And uh, you know, all these, Dina Castor's book, Let Your Mind Run, Kara Goucher's new book. I haven't read it. Have you guys read any of those books? Dina's Dina's book, Kara's book. Okay, well it's all this mental toughness is all the hype. So let's talk about that. When you're qualifying for the trials when you're running across america when you're running your 50 mile race what are your mental strategies to be strong to get yourself to the next mile
2: that's i it's a good question i sometimes wonder like how the heck did i get my head there a few years ago because it's really hard coming back around to it now um and I, I mean, I think there are some basic things, like just basic for me, I don't listen to music when I run. It just kind of like doesn't let you feel the hurt of what you're trying to do. And on a, you know, sometimes it's not, it's not saying you have to go out and run like crazy workouts. Sometimes just like running a 5k is hard. I have a coworker that ran, um, did that, the BAA, like the 5k, 10k half. And I think his half was like two and a half hours. And I'm like, in awe of him doing that, that's hard work. So it's like, he's not doing workouts, it's just getting out the door and running is really challenging. And I, it's like I can run a fast time or a fast race, that's almost easier for me to do than like, just comes a little bit more naturally. So as far as the mental toughness piece, um, it's just almost like conditioning your mind to like, I mean, I remember repeating things like, it's supposed to feel like this. Mm-hmm. Like not the whole if it doesn't hurt you're not working hard enough but like the this is this is what hard work feels like and like just embracing that kind of pain i guess and i of a lot of you that are runners and do workouts there's that kind of threshold between like um like flailing wildly to hit a pace versus like <laughs> i am kind of like owning this and running it really well so like there's that balance there but just owning the pace a little bit and like the mind is super, super powerful, and i it's kind of all cliche, but I know that you can show up 100% physically, like, the best shape of your life. And if, you're, if your mind isn't in it on race day, it's just you're not going anywhere. Like, you're, it's just not going to be your day. And so trusting that you are fit enough and that your head is in it and you can just go with it. So I, it's a lot of self-talk.
0: <laughs> okay, I want to ask you about this, though, because you – uh, ran those trials times, and you you qualified for the trials in 2014. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And since then, a lot has happened in your life. Clearly, mm-hmm. you talked about that. You went through a divorce. You got a lot of stuff going on with your kids. Social media makes things hard because you're, you know, I, I've I've had this FOMO thing a little bit because I've been pregnant nine million times, and I you see people running really fast and doing really great things, and you're like, I want to do that. Yeah. And so, rest is good, but at some point you're like, all right, all right, I'm ready to move on. How do you deal with the FOMO?
2: I don't <laughs> um, I get a little bit crazy, like, I, I mean, like a lot of you probably watch all the marathons, but I will just stalk race results, and, yeah. and part of me is like, well, that's how I know that I'm not ready to be done with this yet. Like, I can't, a lot of people that know me are kind of like, why can't you just, just go run a marathon for fun? Like, the fun part for me is, being competitive like it's not fun for me to go and I'm not d- like downplaying any times or anything but it's just it's not pleasant for me to go just run a ama- it, it just doesn't compute in my head so um, it's kind of just reaffirming to me that it, if because I feel like this after I see all these fast times I want to do it and the, there's the piece of me that knows I can so whether it's delusional or not whatever maybe it'll get me to another fast time um, it's what keeps me going when it's when it's tough to fit it in, so um, you know I guess that's yeah it's never easy to see somebody do something that you want to do, but it's motivating, so that's why you keep watching and trying
0: yeah, I mean, I think that's why it's it's you use it as motivation instead of comparison. I think that's the key, yeah. for sure. Well, in Boston in 2014, when Katie and I roomed together, um, I remember I was not in great shape because I had had surgery and I was like, I'm just running for fun, this is a party. And she was a little bit confused by that mentality because I can run for fun really slow, I'm good with that. And I was like, I, she said, oh, you don't think you wanna go for a PR? Which my PR at the time was 313 and at the time I was like, You know, like 3:40 shape or something, and she just said, "Oh, you don't think you can do that? Like, oh, you know, just jog a 3:13." So it's interesting to see the different mentalities. Because I love running a marathon just for fun. So my favorite thing to do is run one hard, and then like six weeks later, run one for fun, and that's the party.
2: Yeah, you got to help me with that. (laughs) I'm trying. It's actually almost a goal of mine. Like. Like, maybe I could just, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could pick a marathon. You need to pace
0: somebody that's slower than you. So you can pace me when I try to break three hours one day. Yes. So you can jog Let's three hours and I'll be, you okay. know. You need to wear a costume. Yeah, I can I, help uh, you. <laughs> that's true. <Yeah. laughs> now, Jessica's known for wearing costumes, by the way. <laughs> Tell us about that. Why do you do it? Yeah, um, it makes people laugh
4: and smile. So I like to do it in races where I know people are really suffering because they, you know, like, they'll come up a hill with, like, this horrible look on their face, and then I'll just be wearing something s- totally stupid. Like, I mean, I, yeah, I dressed up, like, mashed potatoes, or there's one dress, Dixon's Revenge in the Mud, where I wear, like, an 1800s dress with a bonnet and a parasol. And then these people just look at me, and they just start laughing, and there's just something really fun about that um, to, you know, bring people out of the dark place.
0: You need to do that on, like, a 100-mile race, and then people will think they're hallucinating when they I see I have.
4: You. I actually... My first hundred mile ever, I ran the last 25 miles in a clown suit, which was weird because they had diverted us to a road, so it was like four in the morning, and there's cars going down the road just looking at me, going
0: like, "What is happening?" <laughs> you run another road in a clown suit It's oh, yeah. good Did everybody do their mental toughness? Did you do what? Let's move to you. You have done some really hard things. I mean,
4: you know, for ultra stuff, it's a little bit like, I actually, you guys are fast. I don't know how to do that part. The ultra piece I have down pretty good. One of them, my friend, Michael Wade, said something to me once. That's a little mantra that I always keep, which is it doesn't always get worse because sometimes you're doing something and you feel horrible, especially like in a hundred mile race, you feel terrible. And you just keep thinking, like, if I feel like this now, how am I gonna feel later? But it does not always get worse. Like, and it's, you know, but you can compare that to the rest of life. Things are up and down and up and down. And if you can just hang in there and get through that hard part, you're gonna feel a little bit better. And, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and listen to a lot of people talk about, um, you know, finding that limit. And so sometimes I'm like, okay, I'm running. Did I fall down yet? Nope. Can I still run? Yep. Did my leg fall off? Nope. So you just go through the checklist. Like, I guess I have to keep going. And just, you know, until you actually... I think a lot of people stop because they think they can't make it. They don't stop because they have to stop. They stop because they think later on they won't be able to keep going. So just trying
0: to take it piece by piece. Well, why why do you keep going? Because to me, I mean, that is... The things that you're doing are so, so intense. What is your drive? Like, what's the gratification for you? I think it's, it's
4: boundaries. Like, I've always been interested in that. Like, you know, take the analogy of like, you know, when, when you're a baby, like your little Sandy, his world is what he can see and where people carry him. He doesn't know anything outside of that. Eventually he gets older, he can crawl and move and walk, and he's gonna have his boundaries out here. You know, someday he'll be going off to college somewhere, and that will be his his outer limits. But you know, I look at my my sports and my athletics in the same way. Like, okay, I've done this, but what else is out there? Where else can I go? Have I found my limit yet? And I I haven't. And I think I don't think I'm a great athlete or I'm special. I think I just I push my boundaries out a little bit. Um, more because I guess I'm not as afraid to fail as some people might be like I'm just I'm trying to find that edge and I mean I've found some edges but not all of them yet so
0: (laughs) well I think you're a great athlete and I think you're special (laughs) thank you Um, Deb did you have anything on that one
3: I I mean I I always say um, one thing that kind of gives you confidence in pushing through is plan the work and work the plan so you plan the work and then you work the plan and so then you know you've prepared it gets you out the door on those rainy cold days or where there's ice or whatever and then you know mentally that you've prepared physically and you that gets you through and then it's kind of like what jessica was saying what's the worst thing that's going to happen you're going to fail so what you try it again
0: yeah you can't be embarrassed about failing because like honestly like nobody cares like you care and so, who, and who cares what other people think anyway, but you can't, you can't worry about failing, because then you'll never do anything exciting, I think. 10 minutes? 15, got it, all right. Um, I, okay, here's, here's something interesting. Like, what we're talking about here, like you running across the country, Katie qualifying for the trials, all these crazy things. Like, 30 years ago, wh- women weren't doing these things. And what's what's going on? Why are we doing this now? I think it's like the coolest thing ever. But um, and I'm so thankful to be living in 2018. But what what do you guys think? What you, what's changed? It's a really good question. I don't know. I think it's a little bit
2: of what one of you said, Jessica. Maybe that um, I don't know where it comes from, but just the desire to push your boundaries a little bit and see what you can do. And I think that like I I feel like that. I understand that you know it, I don't feel special or different and I think somebody said it before like I still still feel awkward lining up like at the front of a race like well I'll just I should why don't you go up
1: you and a bunch <laughs> of dudes back here.
2: yeah and so it's like just trusting that you belong there and that any you're capable of just so much more than you think and whatever that is for you um, across the board so I think it's just physically pushing your boundaries and it's just become i think the sport itself has become just uh, more widespread and so women are kind of like well we could do this too you know and i think we're all connected through social
3: media we all have mentors that we can work with and people that we look up to and friends we can reach out to we we got lots of resources and my perspective um for much of my life I
4: worked in international sustainable development so I've had the experience of living in other countries where unfortunately women still don't have the right to vote or they don't have the right to own their own property. They are not allowed to work outside of the home or go to school. Um, I think some of those bigger pieces in our culture have definitely given women more uh, time and more freedom and more opportunity to explore those things where in the past we may have been home cooking and cleaning and not allowed to go out and do these kinds of things. So I think the bigger the bigger picture helps as well. And we need to keep working on that. I mean, there are a lot of things where women are still kind of working and fighting to have equality out in the world of sports. So it's not over yet, girls. We've got to keep
2: working. Well, I will say to that point, I like when, yeah. <laughs> I started running I was like I was a stay-at-home mom and my wife revolved around three very little kids they're very close in age and I did everything so it was it became the thing that like I needed it more you know it was what I did so it does give you that outlet for the moms that are home with little kids or or even working with kids like that's a lot it's a lot on you so it gives you something else that is a really good outlet and it's fairly you can walk out the door and run. It, it's certainly not cheap. Any Anybody that says running is cheap, like you need to uh, like get more sneakers. Like you're
0: not, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: so uh, I think that too.
0: I like the friendships I've made through running, just running locally, social media. I mean, I didn't, I don't know other than Deb, like I wouldn't know anybody here. I wouldn't know Sarah. Um, And actually, I know Deb because of running, because I worked for an organization called Back of My Feet, and she was a volunteer there. And so the first time I ever hung out with Deb, we went for a run, you know? Uh, So let's talk about, like, these – I think it's so important to have these adult – and I, I'm saying female, I know I see a couple males here, I know, I know, I know. Uh, but it's so important as women, and, and as men, for you to have your men relationships too. <laughs> but it's so important for us to have these adult female friendships, right? Because if you are married, or if you have a spouse where you can have these conversations with, you can't have the same kind of conversations with him that you can have with your spouse, or with, with your friends. <laughs> you have two spouses. So talk about your adult relationships, and Deb. I mean, Deb, you have been running with the same group of women for like 35 years.
3: Yeah, we have a group of I think there's eight women, and um, we just when our kids were little, we, we you know we had our date 5:30 in the morning, Tuesday Thursday, every Tuesday Thursday because we didn't have any you know leeway during the day because we were doing all kinds of stuff, but we've just remained friends, and we they're like, the thing is, is, you know, what's set on a run stays on a run. And um, so it's a really good outlet. And I'm not really one to do lunch or go on go shopping. I'm just, you know, I'm a buyer, not a shopper. So the running is the social time. And that's when we kind of vent and all that. So, yeah, big, critical part of my life.
0: Yeah, she was talking about one of her friends who's about turned 70. And I just think about, man, you started running with her when you were, she was 40, you were 30. I mean, it's just like... Just lifelong, yeah. What about you guys?
2: I maybe I'm an anomaly. I don't like to run with people. <laughs> so um, I don't know why. I don't dis- I guess I don't hate it, but I have one friend at home that will run sometimes together. But I have to run super early in the morning with all like the coyotes and the skunks and things. Um, and nobody else can really run that. And I I don't. It just it's almost. I'm in like an introvert true and true so it's exhausting for me to like not only you're going to make me get out of bed at five but then i have to like talk to you for an hour so um, i think it's
3: because no one can keep up with their because well, she's even so I, speedy. And I've, even,
2: I've even said i'm like i'll run your pace when if i have a friend that's like well you, you know whatever sometimes i'll run with people but i just um i want it's really really truly the only hour of the day probably that i have so i it's a rare occasion that i'll run with anybody
0: it's interesting when you run with people. It's like, do we have to talk the whole time? Can we just be quiet for three miles? And with my husband, I can do that. I'm like, I don't want to talk right now. It's fine. But if I'm running with a friend, especially if it's a new friend that I don't know very well, you feel like you got to talk the whole time. And Sarah and I went for a run this morning and we did talk the whole time. But it, I don't think it felt forced to you. That nah, <laughs> wasn't forced.
4: Um, I have learned so much from my running friends. And I remember looking up online, like, running groups and the first one i found was the rochester runners uh there's some people in here that i met there Um, but i remember like i showed up to the track and like it was like a walmart track suit one of those wind suits and i was just like hi and i had no idea what i was doing and that is the beginning of my knowledge though people showed me how to do track workouts and eventually um 603 started, which there's a whole lot of my 603 friends in here, too. And that's where I met my trail running people and the ultra running people. And that's my social life, because I'm either at work or running or sleeping or eating. And so unless people are running with me, I don't really get to socialize. So it's so awesome to have in like such a strong group of women that I've met where we can go out, and that's our social time. Like We're training, and we're talking, and we're learning from each other. And that's,
0: that's, that's my social life. So good. Uh, just Jessica's a massage therapist. I'm like, if I, I want a, a massage all the time. That's like, if I was a massage therapist, I would just be jealous of the people I was massaging. Um, buy a foam roller because that's how I get a massage. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. All right, guys, I want to make sure uh, everybody leaves here with like something to go look up or something they can go home and be inspired by. So tell me a book, a poem, a speech, a podcast, Something that has changed your life that you want to share with the group here?
2: This is like one of the most stressful questions in the world for me. I sent you um, an email three days ago. So I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I'll get back to you on that one. Um, so I'm going to pass right now and I'll think about it. Well, do you want to go? Sure. Uh, mine's easy. Uh, d-
4: does anyone know Radiolab? Um, they do an amazing uh, show, and they have a whole s- series called Limits, and it's all about athletes um, finding their actual limits, which are usually the central governor of your brain shutting your body down when actually you still have fuel in the tank. Um, those are awesome. So if you go online and look up uh, Radiolab Limits, there's some really awesome shows to listen to that have been a
0: huge inspiration to me. So, anybody, Does anybody already listen to that, Radiolab? Guys, I can't get into Radio Lab. I don't know if I'm not smart enough. <laughs> but every time I listen I'm like, Where where are we? What 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 are you talking about right now? I can't keep up. Like I just maybe I just try to do too many things at once. But do you
2: listen to it when you're running, is that
4: No. At, at home. I can't that's that's like chewing gum and walking or something. I can't.
0: Isn't it a lot of science too?
3: Yeah, I kinda of yeah, like science, maybe science is hard.
0: <laughs> That's why I wasn't good at
3: school. All right, Deb, what Um, do you have? Okay, Um, when we started our time together, I said I love to learn, and one of the things I love about Lindsay's podcast is it's kind of turned me on to other podcasts and books, and like one thing leads to another, and for a person with ADHD, it's an endless thing of learning. So, somewhere along the lines, I got the title of this book, and I can't say it's changed my life, but it's starting to change my life, Okay, so the, the name of the book, and it's not brand new, it's called Complaint-Free World. Has anyone heard of this? Okay, so it's a short book. And the whole premise is, 20, it's Complaint-Free World. I think the author is Will Bowen. And the whole premise is for 21 days, because that's how long it takes you to change your habits, you cannot criticize, complain, or gossip. So, <laughs> Okay, so you kind of, I know, it's very challenging, I've been trying it, I've been, I know, I hope I have, if I get, so the whole thing is you're supposed to, you're supposed to wear a bracelet and like a little rubber thing around your and change it every time you catch yourself criticizing someone or complaining about the weather or whatever, or gossiping, and then you have to start over for the 21 days, so it's kind of hard. But it does. I'm make sorry, but you, you just complained. I, I, I didn't. I know. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't wear my. I didn't wear my bracelet tonight. I'm not an expert, but I'm. The thing is, is it's great because it makes you check yourself. So that's. I kind of like that. I kind of like to challenge myself. So. I haven't changed, but I'm in the process. <laughs>
0: that's Aren't so hard. Because even like the littlest thing that's not really complaining can be complaining. You know, just like mentioning that you're cold yeah. you know it's like you don't really have to mention it you know you could actually think like oh man i'm really thankful i have this jacket because i'd be a lot colder if i didn't have this jacket it's hard to live it's like that it's just an interesting read i don't know pick it up see what you think it's short yeah. did you think of anything did i really have to answer this <laughs> you I don't mean, have to i am to. a little you bit you really do
2: i really don't i hate to say it i don't read a ton i've read some good books um i don't listen to music a lot i mean i don't know when am i going to do that but I've read a couple of good books, and I don't even know that it's worth mentioning because these were like years ago, but um, actually a couple of good ones. They're, Malcolm Gladwell actually has some great books. So um, I think David and Goliath was the last one I read. or I don't know if it's that one, but it's the one about like the underdog. And I like his books because there's a lot of like backup to it. Um, and another one I also mentioned that I'm really an extreme introvert, and this is not running related, but... It's a little bit hard to be that kind of person, and I know I'm like sitting up here, like, come on, um, <laughs> no, I am. So, you feel like you've got to change, and it's awkward and weird to be an introvert. But this book called Quiet, um, an introvert's guide to like living in this world, it also has a lot of kind of like backup data and things to it. I was, I tell everybody about it. I'm like, this is, this has allowed me to be me now. Like, this is great. I'm. You can be a really, like, effective, functioning, powerful person as an introvert. Um, And then the other one, when I was really, not that I'm not running hard and training hard now, but a few years ago, before I qualified for the trials, um, and this is probably a bit outdated now, but it really did change my thinking about nutrition, Um, and it was the Thrive by Brendan Brazier, and he's got all the VEGA stuff. Um, But it really makes you think about, like, and I think everybody kind of knows this now, but just at a real basic level, like what's going on in your body and like really makes you think about fueling it and health and just at a real basic level. So there's a few little, did you jot those down?
0: <laughs> I think my favorite book we've read in, with my book club that I'm really bad at leading uh, is How Bad Do You Want It, it's so good. Have you? Did, has anybody here read it? It's a Matt Fitzgerald book, it's so good. Um, another good book I've recently read was the Imperfect Courage by Jessica Honegger and it was a really good book. What's something you've implemented in your life that's greatly improved it?
3: I'm gonna go with prayer.
2: Um, I, I think one thing for me is not to overthink and that's like a really like, just don't overthink it from an extreme overthinker to, to a really like, it's debilitating almost. So it's um, like one of those just make a, like just make the decision, do it quick. Like there is one thing like you have maybe three seconds or five seconds and then literally just keep walking forward and do it. And it's like back to that whole, maybe maybe it's gonna be an epic failure, I don't know. But move on and we'll try it again. So that kind of practicing that more, like even down to like texting, like do, how to like deleting and rewriting our emails. Like I just will like hit send and close my eyes and ah, you know, it's like jumping off a cliff. But um, <laughs> trying to practice not being such an overthinker is hard but it's really like freed up a lot of stress.
0: The only way I've ever gotten anything done is just not being a perfectionist because you. I just feel like you'd never get the end result because you just keep going back and fixing and fixing and fixing. What about you, Jessica?
4: Okay, this sounds a little bit silly, but people make fun of me for this, but I sleep every night. I sleep eight hours every night, and I think that is so important. And if I don't do it, I fall apart, and I can't stay on track for anything, my job, or my training, or whatever it is, because I just don't have the capability to do that without sleep. So it seems silly, but I, I stand by it, eight hours of sleep every night.
0: One day.
2: Yeah, that yeah. sounds so nice. How's that so working out nice. for Lindsay? I don't think I've had eight hours of sleep in, like, 13 years. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, one day. All right, guys, what do we want to leave the crowd with tonight? I've rethought this because I ask this question at the end of every podcast. I say, what's one message you'd like to send to the world? Um, And you get some of the same answers depending on who your guests are, but I really do feel like when I ask that question, some people really think about it and give me these answers that I'm left thinking, okay, okay. I want to do that with my life and so I said in the 100th episode of my show that my thing to send to the world was I, to not be complacent because I think it's really easy to just live your life and say this is how my life is supposed to be. This is what we do. Our family does this. We do that. And it's like it doesn't actually have to be that way. You can make changes. And so my encouragement is to not be complacent, whether that's in your running or your business or how you raise your kids. Like, raising kids is really hard. The hardest thing I've ever done is deal with these temper tantrums that I'm dealing with every single day. But I don't have to be complacent in how I react. I can research, I can read books, I can try to figure things out. So just not not saying this is the way it is. That's my message, don't be complacent.
4: I guess I would just say if there's anybody out there who is looking at us differently because we're sitting up here because we've accomplished sort of big shiny things, um, that is, this thing that we're tapping into to do these things, it's out there for you too. And this is life, it's choose your own adventure. So I think you just need to find what it is that you wanna do and you need to work hard and you can tap into this too, it's not, everybody has this kind of thing in them. And I mean, not everybody wants to run 100 miles or run as fast as that. Like you just, you have your own thing and it's no
3: less important than what we do. It's good. Um, I'm gonna piggyback on what Jessica said because I was thinking, I'm, I'm sitting between these amazing women, Speedy over here, and the Endura Thondress. I mean, okay, so I'm like, the, uh, Katie and Jessica and of course Lindsay, and of course Sarah as well. But I'm thinking about, um, you know, if you're just getting started, you know like just think about completing, not competing. And you know, just just do it. Don't just start out. You don't have to be the best. You know just start, and then you never know where it goes. Honestly, you'll get faster and faster. That just comes naturally. But just start and complete. You don't have to compete at first.
2: I guess mine is not even running related, and um it's, I don't know, it's maybe just because it's fresh on my brain and kids and stuff, but I feel like we all kind of live in our own little bubble with like our phones and our electronics and our, like all that stuff. And I, somebody, I waitress through college and um, somebody said something to me once that just stuck a very nice, like a regular at the restaurant was like, always smile. Just like, don't stop smiling. And i think that we can extend that and like smile to those around you and like put your head up and give a compliment that's just unsolicited i try to do that and i think i see it now with my kids like they walk around with their phones and i will see like adults interact with them like oh my gosh i'm horrified so it's one of those like put your head up and like interact with people and just you know that's a great shirt or like i like your glasses like it goes a long way and i'm not saying be disingenuine about it like you know if you genuinely have like often we look at people like oh wow i really like her hair and you like keep it to yourself well why not give a compliment i think it changes everybody's world at least for a moment so
0: i love that i know sometimes i feel awkward because like i i um told you your eyelashes were really pretty today (laughs) and i'm like when i look at someone and there's something about them like i want to tell them and i'm like hopefully this isn't weird but you're really pretty, or like you know, like something like that. Because guess what? Like nobody is ever gonna be offended that you complimented them. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're thinking it, say it, right? Um, I want to open the floor to a couple questions. If we have, do we have time for a couple questions? A couple, okay. But let's give these ladies for sharing and being vulnerable up here a round of applause. guys thank you so much we are gonna stick around if anybody wants to say hello and but mingle and and do your thing and i just this podcast has given me the opportunity to talk to so many amazing women and men and if anybody here listens it's because of you because if nobody was listening i wouldn't have that opportunity so thank you guys thank you for being here And thank you, Sarah. Sarah's going to come up. She's got a word to say. Sarah is the woman, you guys. She has put this whole thing on. This is all Sarah. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you, Sarah, for providing the opportunity for me to speak with these incredible women in front of a live audience in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It was so fun to be... um, on your side of the country and it's so beautiful there you guys can follow me on instagram lindsey 626 you can find me on twitter at lindsey and we have a facebook page i'll have another podcast with lindsey where there's a group over there as well and i'll put links to everything we talked about in the podcast episode i think there were some good book recommendations at the end there i will put all that in the show notes LindseyHine.com. Head over to lindseyhine.com to sign up for my newsletter as well. Big thanks to all the sponsors of the live show, including Inside Tracker and Gooder. And I hope you guys have a wonderful Friday, a great rest of the weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.